All right, I think so. I'm Perry. This is Plinside. To my right, Star of All Things Blaze TV, the one and only Mr. Brandon Steele. I've got uh, like a NASA control room set up over here because I can't, for some reason, I swear you used to be able to extend a monitor. Like there used to be a display setting where you click and drag it over. I think you could if it was directly connected to that one, but because it goes through that, I don't oh, because it that makes sense. Well, it's okay. We've we found a workaround. I have slides for today. Nice. I've been working. I'm getting in my David game. I've been working on a PowerPoint. Um, well, this is. It's not episode 400 because our episodes got mixed up. Monday will have been 400. This is, yes. let's call Monday 399 and a half. Let's make this 400. So All I figured right. we'd, we'd do something uh, special, which is we're going to go over the history of the secret space program per, Hell yeah. per the description of Michael Sala. Um, he wrote, He's actually written a lot of books. Dude's got tons of books out there. I mean, you have nothing else to do. It's not, uh, it wasn't good, but it's good for our purposes. So if you can start, let's, let's get, uh, let's see how I'm going to do this. You can just make it like the little screen in between us. And I, oh no, there, yeah, hell yeah. Look at that. What a, what a beautiful system we have here. All right. So, Antarctica's Hidden History by Michael Sala. Uh, Michael Sala is this guy. For, for those of you who listen to us. Got those eyebrows. Yeah, you're going to know him as eyebrow guy. Uh, I didn't know much about him. He does actually, he has a PhD in government from the University of Queensland. But then he says what he focuses on is exopolitics. And I was confused i was like is that a so like space nazis and communists correct but i don't I, when i googled exopolitics the only shit that really shows up is him so i think he just got a degree and then he made up an area of study and that's started, the coolest thing to do oh yeah it's way cooler than just fucking, get a degree and create a fake science and be like no i'm the expert yeah so uh this isn't going to be like the David episodes I've been doing. I actually, I started doing this because I was reading through source field investigation and it's, it's almost a complete repeat of synchronicity key. Like 40 to 50% of the book oh, yeah. is literally just copy paste. It's the same fucking thing. So I was going crazy doing that. And that was a New York times bestseller. Oh boy. Was it, you know, you'd think he'd mentioned that, yeah. <laughs> but he never uh, brings it up. So, this will not be a debunking at all. Everyone, turn off your fucking heads, and we're going to learn about the secret space program per, yeah. per Dr. Eyebrows. We don't, we don't despise this man. No. Well, but you might by the end of this. I don't That's know. That's true. Uh, the acknowledgments for this book, this is how I knew it was going to be good. These are his sources for this information. William Tompkins, Corey Good, David Wilcock, and Pete Peterson, which is a real who's who. It's a real murderer's row of bullshit. Oh, yeah. I, I figure everyone listening to us will be familiar with the latter three there, but William Tompkins, who I've also I've got an episode coming up on him. We're going deep dive this year. Hell That's yeah. my 2024 promise. Hell yeah, we're getting into it. Uh, so William Tompkins, we we talked about him in episode 344. He was the, the super old dude with Carrie Cassidy who just was incredibly boring. Uh, he's also really horny, which we're not going to talk about that today, but I will say the first book in his trilogy of autobiographies is 
borderline pornographic. That's pretty cool. He just, he talks about getting his dick sucked and how hard his dick is for alien bitches. I mean, that is a more innocent reason. Like, why do you want aliens to exist? Because I want to get head in as many different interstellar <laughs> species as possible. Well, the good news for William Tompkins is he manages to fuck every alien in the story. But we'll get to that nice, a different bro. way. He's uh, he's basically he's the first secret space program dude. He was a member of the Navy. He said he worked with the Nordics against the Draco reptilians. He, yes, he worked with Nazi sleeper cells. Yes, but he kind of, he likes to gloss over that. They all have to have a reason for like why they work with the Nazis, but they're not bad. Yeah, no, these are the good ones. Yes, these are all, the, they're the good ones they work with. Uh, William Tompkins also in 1942, he was getting alien briefings and then he would relay those briefings to his admiral and his information. So says he was used to design our space programs. I bet bet he's a rear admiral. (laughs) Yes. His book proves it too. Uh, he would actually have been working. He claims to have worked at JPL and Rocketdyne around the same time. Both our grandfathers would have been there. So I'm curious if, uh, you know, he wasn't just completely full of shit. I wonder if there are any dudes who've said that aliens took their ass. Uh, what's uh, Whitley Strieber? Oh, was he raped by aliens? I mean, but like in a in a fun way. Oh, no, no. You mean like they enjoyed yeah, not, it? Not like just, you know, being probed anally. I mean, like, you know, they had gay sex with an alien. Well, uh, Whitley stands out to me because he was, I think he's the first uh, diddled in the ass by an alien guy. Nice. But it was like super traumatic for him but obviously everyone just makes jokes because what what the fuck was gonna happen you come out in 1975 and be like an alien fucked my ass just limping along yeah. like what's wrong with you dave be like oh, i got fucked in the ass by a nordic well it's just like did you really expect someone not to make jokes about that yeah. you gotta you gotta you gotta know what's coming a blue chicken took my behemen so we start out with uh dr salish really showing us the quality of his research in the preface to this book, he mentions that uh, Corey Good revealed to him that he had been he had visited the secret Antarctic bases in January 2016 and 2017, and he was taken there by an inner Earth group called the Anshar. Now the problem with that is in the deposition. Yeah, boy, Corey, Corey really he really ruined it for everybody. Well, and you know, oddly enough, I brought this up before that Corey said in the deposition, the Anshar real and people are like, no, he didn't. So for those people, let's, uh, let's go back to this. Let's, let's visit ourselves from about a year ago. The Anshar are a creation. It's not my question. My question is, all right. So there's, he's saying it's a creation. And then the better slide is this one. I'm answering your question. Is it real or not? (laughs) It is not physically real. Yeah. So there's that. uh, There's that answer for everyone. Just, just horribly damning. It's, uh, you know, it's very bad. But I, I don't. Him and Michael Sala, I think, have since uh, kind of had a schism. Probably for obvious well, reasons. Well, I mean, yeah, after he fucked you like that, made you look like a fucking retard. Yeah, so keep that in mind. Almost the entirety of this book is based around the premise that Corey Good went to an ancient Anshar civilization in Antarctica. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, which, that's an unfortunate thing to say, given the deposition footage. Turns out it was just a plot device. Yes. Uh, let's see here. So Sala states, if Good's testimony is reliable, as multiple sources of evidence suggest, there is no evidence that suggests that, uh, then we have the first eyewitness account of the transnational corporate space program currently operating in Antarctica. Uh, Corey told 
this this old fuck that a group of pre-Adamite man lives under the Antarctic ice in a highly developed technological society. Man, this fella thought he was getting the scoop of a lifetime. Yeah, and it's it's bizarre to me that the dude has an actual PhD and just has no ability to find real information. How do you get tricked by this? You'd, you you want to believe. Yeah, it really is a faith. I mean, it is a religion in that yeah. sense where you just... you. You got trust. I mean, what evidence would you expect? Yeah. Chapter one, the enigmatic fool society, anti-gravity, Hitler, and the German Navy. Man, it always comes back to Hitler. There's a lot of Hitler shit. There's a lot of Nazis. He'd have been so proud if you'd have told him before he died that he'd be responsible for all the bad things in the world. Yeah, he uh, his legacy lives on. Yeah, <laughs> he the, really crushed. In the works of crazy people. The secret space program, it starts with uh, the person on your screen there, psychic medium Maria Orsic, who began to receive telepathic communications in 1919 that revealed to her the plans to develop a flying saucer prototype. Sick. And if you want to believe that, you and I have talked to Maria Orsic in, uh, by way of Nazi fan, or Nazi only fan extraordinaire, Marina Sarin. Hell yeah, former. Was- Former OnlyFans extraordinaire. <laughs> Did she get, how racist do you have to be that you can't show your pussy on the internet? <laughs> yeah, pretty fucking racist, which is why it's I so love her. It's fucking funny. It's hilarious. I, I think she also got banned from Twitter. Oh, yeah. She got booted off Twitter early. Yeah. Well, she kept hosting spaces where she would uh, liberally use the N-word. It was so, so cool. It, uh, it, it shouldn't come as a shock, I guess. It was sick, dude. I know whose fault it was, according to her. Yeah. The blacks <laughs> and the Jews. Yeah, she's a guy, she uses two different yeah, words except to describe she don't call them that. The Thule Society supported Maria's work and helped her find some scientists to make her channeled vision a reality. So the, the Thule Society wanted to use Orsic to understand Vril, which is nice. uh, the force they believe could be harnessed by individuals with sufficiently developed psychic abilities. I actually never knew what Vril was until I read this book. Sounds like a bug-type Pokemon. Well, I think that's the only other time I'd heard the word Vril was uh, maybe the world's craziest man, Donald Marshall. Yeah. He went to the Illuminati Vril cloning center. Boy, did he. So I thought it was related to something else. Uh, the Thule, they also wanted to form a relationship with the inner earth beings known as the Hyperboreans because they believed these guys would one day come to the surface and they wanted to be on good terms when that time arrived. I mean, that makes sense. It's got to be strategic. Uh, yes, I'd like to know how they were introduced to the Hyperboreans, but that's that's conveniently unimportant. not Yeah, It's not addressed. If you don't get the details, unimportant. And so far, this all sounds pretty harmless, but as with all these things, there's a twist. The Thule Society only accepted people who could prove their racial purity going back three generations. Wow. So I it it doesn't get explained in the book, but as best I could decipher, the pure blood is a necessity to like foster these latent psychic abilities. So everyone's uh-huh. got psychic abilities to some extent. But the but white people have more. Pure white. Yes. Pure. pure is the driven snow. Yes. Uh, and this this racial purity belief is what led to the Thule Society backing Hitler as uh, both parties, you know, shared those pro-German anti But I mean, he's very white. <laughs> what else are we looking for? Here's one of the uh, top secret free energy devices they use to build spaceships. Yeah, come on, look at that. Doesn't that just scream interstellar travel? Yeah, it definitely doesn't look like a middle school fucking science fair project. Yeah, it looks like someone trying to make an electric circuit without understanding what they are. Uh, it's great that a lot of these free energy devices, the people, sh- they never show them actually working. And then one I see going around a lot is like literally just not a free energy device. There's a separate motor installed that just hid the motor. So it looks like a free energy device. 
it, the it old sh- midget under the chessboard <laughs> routine. It it shouldn't come as a shock, but a lot of the people who posted about free energy are exceptionally dumb and gullible. They just, you know, they really don't want to pay electricity anymore. They want to believe, much like David. There's, uh, so in this chapter, we kind of start laying out the beginning here, which is United States corporations provided money to the Nazi party that would prove essential in the establishing of these Arctic bases. And who ran those corporations? Well, oddly enough, companies such as Ford, Ford at the time, he was a real anti-Semite. He had a newspaper called the Dearborn Independent, and they, uh, look this up, he had released 91 stories about the Jewish menace. <laughs> yeah, I miss the days when our, the heads of corporate, like huge corporations could just be the biggest bigots in the world. Well, he, he. It's so much cooler just be, imagine Tom Ford being like, we gotta get the, the kikes out of here. Yeah, everyone just doing what Kanye yeah. was doing. They're trying to get porn to the children. But even better, he, he wasn't satisfied with the 91 stories about it. He collected collected those stories into a four-volume set called The International Jew. Yeah, see, the internet wasn't terrible. We used to do things like that with all the free time we had. Yes, it was a simpler world. The uh, Now, according to Tompkins, this partnering of U.S. companies with the Nazis, it was actually like a reverse okey-doke. Oh, okay. So it was presented to us as, you know, Ford was supporting Nazis, but the U.S. government was supporting Ford, supporting Nazis, so he could infiltrate the, oh, okay. the Nazi science. The old double, double woo. And then also at the end of this chapter, Sala slides in that the U.S. defense contractor ITT is a reptilian company. He, nice. He doesn't explain how or why or what. But well, they're good at tech. They're, they're reptilian. Chapter three, German companies begin operations in Antarctica. So now we get to the establishment of these bases. There's a beautiful depiction from man. Cosmic disclosure. Isn't that enough to convince you? It's it's crazy. I mean, look, it's a drawing of of ships and vague home-like structures. If there was one thing I would expect this community to have, it would be good artists. No, you, no, art is dead to them. Or creatives of some variety, because yes, all the drawings that Corey produces are some of the lowest quality works I've ever come across. Yeah. Because you're right. That I mean, that looks like it doesn't look like anything. It it, it looks, looks like a child's drawing. Yes. Um. Where was I? Okay, right. So we're establishing these bases. The Nazi government sends people to the Arctic in 1938 and 39, and then the U.S. Navy, by way of William Tompkins, informs everyone that the Germans had received alien assistance and being guided through the cavern system there. Tompkins said large portions of equipment were sent down there. <laughs> Sorry. All right. There was no, there was grammarly pop up blocking my writing. But right next to them were three tremendous sized caverns, which the reptilians had. Not grays, but reptilians. Germany got two more, about a tenth the size of the big reptilian cavern. They were able to go down, usually by submarine. They built these flat submarines, regular class, so they could ship all this stuff down there. The reptilians already knew uh, where all the caverns were and all of the tunnels were, okay? So this, again, is nothing new to the reptilians. And giving instructions to the German, and it sort of comes up a little later as to where the good holes are underneath the water that go into tunnels because it's underneath the ocean's level. All of this was just handed over to them. They didn't have to do research. Uh, the eloquent speech of William Tompkins. Yeah, if you told that to someone on the street, be like, you don't understand, the reptilians know where the good tunnels are. They'd, they'd probably be like, hey, we got to take you to an asylum. Uh, he, Tompkins 
should have been locked away long ago. Now, the good news is he's dead. <laughs> so, well, so thank he, God. He, he can't, can't do any more harm. No, he can't, he can no longer be a menace. Yeah. He did make it to like 90-something years old, so maybe the Nazis helped him Well, he had something out. to live for. <laughs> yeah, lying. Yeah. Lying an alien pussy. <laughs> he really, he thought he was going to get one last nut. Tompkins, uh, this is another good move here. So Tompkins' information, according to Sala, the person who verifies everything that Tompkins says is Corey Good. Nice. Which is very, you know, that's a very. Well, when Corey Good's your Rosetta Stone. Yeah. And Corey was able to verify this information because he said when he went to the bases and he was given one of those uh, glass pads from the secret space program. Right. He read the briefings that Tompkins had written. Wow. So his proof is lying about reading something. That's pretty cool. On what essentially amounts to just, you know, an iPad that they call something else. Uh, Corey also included that it's not the Nazis who are in charge, but rather German secret societies. The goals of the Thule Society Nazis German Navy were threefold when it came to Antarctica. The first was to locate and convert vast caverns found deep under the Antarctic ice into fully equipped bases that could host large numbers of personnel and equipment. Secondly, to establish large manufacturing plants in Antarctica for building fleets of spacecraft capable of interplanetary and eventually interstellar flight. Finally, the last goal was to establish Antarctica as a safe haven from the vicissitudes of another European war. I don't believe Corey used the word vicissitudes. I think Absolutely someone else, not. I think someone else included that. There's no way he knows what that word means. So despite the claim that the Nazis are no longer in charge of Antarctica, they were the first people who began building flying saucers there. They had uh, 30 different prototypes. They would build the prototypes in Germany and then test the pre-production models in Antarctica, which seems <sighs> incredibly inconvenient. Yeah, it seems to, like a lot of shipping. Yeah, to get some, well, they'll, they'll explain it later. Uh, there, was, there was a Polish immigrant who was living in Texas, and he had been a uh, prisoner of war in Germany during the war, and he described the saucers uh, as follows. And for some reason, his account is entirely in caps. So I don't know if All he right. was yelling it or what. But he was screaming the whole thing. Circular in shape, 75 to 100 yards in diameter, approximately 14 feet high. The vehicle was observed to slowly rise vertically to height sufficient to clear 50-foot wall and to move slowly, horizontally, a short distance out of view. The first uh, Nazi craft is referred to as the Vrail One. This guy right here. That's Look your, at it. It's your standard fair UFO, I it's would the say. Future. That's uh, that's pretty much what the the classic UFO looks like. It was constructed in 1941 and first flew in 1942. It was 11 and a half meters in diameter, had a single pilot, and could could achieve between 2,900 kilometers per hour and 12,000 kilometers per hour, which is about 7,500 miles per hour. Which is pretty fast. That's pretty fast, dude. Uh, the follow-up craft was the Hanbu One. And uh, was said to be able to reach 17,000 kilometers per hour, which is 10,500 miles per hour. And its follow-up was able to go 13,000 miles an hour. Wow, and they still lost. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't make a ton of sense Oops. either, does it? Oops. Uh, for for reference, the SR-71 Blackbird tops out at a bit over 2,000 miles an hour. So these are, you know, seven to eight times faster than the fastest plane. For the craft to not fall apart at these speeds, they needed special metal alloys. And this is where Tompkins says that the reptilians came in. Uh, so it was lizards who showed the Germans their advanced form of metallurgy. Again, wow. there is no proof for that other than Tompkins' word. No one knows metal like lizards. 
Well, that's, I mean, this is another one of those things where it's like, how does a guy tell you that? And you're just like, yeah, that sounds right. Sounds about right. No, that checks out. Yeah, lizards are renowned for their ability to work I with I just metals. assume when they start talking to one another, they always want to be cooler than that dude. It's like, oh, I already knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I already, with the way Corey yeah. verified Tompkins information. Oh, that's a beginner stuff. Oh, yeah, I read that on the Alien iPad. Yeah, oh, I knew that years ago. You're just getting into that? Now, uh... It, you know, similar to the question you just posed, they they had all these advanced crafts, so uh, why'd they lose? Um, but Corey Good has an explanation for that. There were some technologies acquired and integrated into their breakaway sec- a secret space program that they were developing. But they were developing this for their own purposes when it came down to it. They didn't care about Germany winning World War II, the motherland, or using this technology to defeat the United States ah. and the enemies they were engaged in war with. So this is that loophole I mentioned earlier where they're sure it was the Nazis down there working on things, but they, they were good Nazis who didn't want Germany to win World War II. Yeah, yeah. Okay, these Nazis just wanted to leave the planet. Also, Hitler lived in Colombia until 1955, and then he moved to Argentina. There's nice. a picture of him in Colombia. They hated Jews so much that they <laughs> left the planet. <laughs> we got to get out of yeah. here. <laughs> they went to the moon. That's how anti-Semitic they were. Now, I... Do you think that guy looks like Hitler outside of the mustache? I'm not... Uh, kind of just looks like Charlie Chaplin, to be honest. Yeah, I think so. Also, the picture... <laughs> that may be the lowest quality picture I've ever seen. It It's... For being taken in 1963? You'd think it'd be better, wouldn't you? But uh, but alas, no. Now, the, the Nazi retreat to Antarctica and South America... Um, Tompkins, this is this is what he says about the Nazis fleeing to Antarctica after defeat. God, I hate reading what Tompkins says because he's just he's it's a mess. His yeah. his mind is just pudding. Yeah. Yes, and that include everything medical, okay? Everything in a hospital, everything in research, everything in drugs, all of that stuff went down there into Antarctica. And so when the war stopped, we got paperclip. That was only part of what had originally been operating a year before in Germany. Actually, operatives talked about specific different German people heading up programs. Just, they flew these names off the ledger. You couldn't believe it. On different programs, even on the medical research side, it went to Russia. And so, like, on a 20 to 1 or something ratio, we got good ones. But the best ones went to Antarctica to support those programs. Uh, And if that doesn't sound believable, don't worry. Corey confirms it again because he read it on an iPad. Hell yeah. Yeah. After uh, So after the Nazis lose, they pack up all their UFO shit onto U-boats, and then they drive those U-boats to Antarctica to hang out with Maria Orsic. Hell yeah, that's pretty cool. Go party with hot chicks on a yacht. This is another, how would you not notice all of Germany being packaged onto boats and, and driven away? Oh, nothing to see here for <laughs> just going for a little trip. Here's uh, Corey's description of it. Orsic had obviously made it to the Antarctic bases and cities. I do know that these societies were very much the backbone of what survived the war and who were in control of the facilities along with the group they believed was E.T., as well as the Reptilian Draco Federation that they allied themselves with. So at this point, we've got the Vril Society, the Thule Society, and then the Black Sun Society are running Antarctica. I don't know what the Black Sun Society is, and I don't think it was mentioned again. It's uh, the only black they like. Yeah. <laughs> After World War II wrapped up, uh, the United States sent Admiral Byrd down to Antarctica. The official reason given for this mission was basically scientific inquiry. 
Tompkins, however, says that Bird went down there to fight the secret army. So hell yeah, we sent them to kill Nazis, the lizard Nazis, the yeah. the U.S. The way they explain the worst this, kinds of Nazis <laughs> is the U.S. was scared of the the capabilities of the Antarctic Nazis, so we wow. sent a bunch of boats to go kill them all. Uh, Tompkins says that Bird tried to negotiate with the Nazis but failed because he had nothing to negotiate with. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me that the U.S. would be like, hey, go negotiate and then not give him any leverage to negotiate with. We should have just threatened to move in a bunch of Jews. <laughs> scare him away. It's like a scare Jew. Yeah, or well, a we, scare will, Nazi. we will move them in here, okay? But uh, so he failed as a negotiator, but in the same breath, Tompkins then says that Byrd was able to negotiate successfully for U.S. scientists to join the Nazi ones. He offered to suck them off. <laughs> that that uh, that kind of happens in, yeah. in uh, William Tompkins' book. What if I gargled your balls? Would you leave? I want, you know, this is a teaser for a future episode. I think William Tompkins admits to a rape in this book. <laughs> Being raped or raping? No, doing the raping. Well, in the fog of war. Pretty explicitly. In fact, in the book, after he states it, the editor chimes in to basically say, like, hey, that's not what it sounds like. Hey, I know that <laughs> sounds bad, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. So, birds. They're aliens. They can't consent. That is the ultimate, like, what's the age of consent for an alien? Yeah. Your no, honor. <laughs> she's 18 on her planet. Bird. Admiral Byrd goes back in 1947, during which time he was again defeated by the aliens, or, or so says some random Russian document leak. The U.S. thought there was a legitimate threat to its power being formed, so they really wanted to fuck it up. Uh, Corey said that three Nazi bases had been established. This is him speaking. There was help from the Draco Federation, as well as a group that the Nazis were led to believe were ETs, referred to Ariani or Aryans, sometimes called Nordics but were actually an ancient Earth human breakaway civilization that had developed a space program referred to as the Silver Fleet and created vast bases below the Himalayan mountains, with the largest being in Tibet and called the system Agartha and a few other regions. World War II, I guess this was kind of the wake-up call for the ETs to get involved in human affairs. They're based on a uh, written encounter from Admiral Byrd's totally not fake, 100% real diary, he met up with someone who kept referring to him as son and spoke like a Star Trek character. But this guy nice. told Bird that atomic weapons were a threat to human existence. Wow, what a genius. Only wow. <laughs> hey, you know those incredibly <laughs> dangerous bombs you guys built? That you just used to kill several hundred thousand yeah, people? <laughs> I might hold off on those. They seem pretty dangerous. So atomic weapons are a threat to human existence and that uh, Bird had to re relay this message to the surface world. The guy chastised Bird for the military firing on the uh, ET craft as well. But given the speed that those craft can fly at, I don't know why bullets would be an issue. They could pretty easily outrun them. I mean, yeah, or the anti-gravity should probably negate them. You, If if they're that advanced technologically, you would think there'd also be some if sort of... If I can of, take down anti-gravity machines with a Glock, that's a problem. Yes, there should be some sort of defense or cloaking device, I would imagine. Uh, this... this expedition that Admiral Byrd went on, it was known as Operation High Jump. But now we move on to everyone's favorite, Operation Paperclip. This is when the German scientists joined forces with the United States and gave us all the secret space information they had been developing in Antarctica. Right. Renowned liar William Tompkins said that he worked on a project that turned Nazi submarines into deep space exploration vessels. It's, yeah, it's very weird. For some reason... The Navy is in space. It's not a space force. It's the Navy, but in space. I guess space is kind of like an ocean. 
Yeah, in its own way. Anyway, so all this nonsense culminated in the saucer Nazis pressuring both Truman and Eisenhower into accepting secret deals. For what or why, that's not addressed. Now, the, the Nazis, they showed their might in 1952 when they flew their saucers over Washington, D.C., that's uh, there's the picture there. I like to imagine they all just had like honk for Hitler yeah. on their fucking windshields. Uh, honk, honk. Oh, yes, Americans were still here. Honk, honk. You joke, but here's a notable idiot. William Tompkins said that these craft were Nazi craft and you could tell because they had swastikas on them. So Hell yeah, <laughs> dude. Just throwing decals on your anti-gravity craft about to go commit a terrorism. It doesn't. It Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. These uh, top secret missions, you would think you wouldn't want to advertise the person carrying them out. You think that would remain nah, hidden? Th- they wanted you to know instead of putting yeah Nazi bumper stickers they all over the They wanted you to craft. know just who did this. These craft, the ones you're seeing on your screen, had been uh, reverse engineered by the Germans. But Tompkins also said these vehicles had been given to them uh, to the Germans. That is by the reptilians. So uh, he it was a gift. He doesn't explain how they were both gifted them and they were reverse engineered, but those two things exist simultaneously, I guess. Nice. Uh, Corey Good also chimed in to say that aliens had become the most classified subject on the planet because the free energy technology would destroy the oil trade and the elites need that to use their, this is what he calls it, Babylonian money magic slave system to control the people. Nice. Uh, This fear that free energy would get out is what caused Eisenhower to sign that ET treaty. Now, uh, a little side note here. Sala does frequently during the book. I think some part of him is aware that what Tompkins and Corey are saying is bad shit insane. So he'll he'll throw in an adjective on occasion to be like uh, the, the controversial statements. I think he's trying to do that to distance himself from what they're claiming. But he still, yeah, I mean, he pretty clearly believes it. He wouldn't have worked with him that much if he didn't believe it. Well, it's also funny to not be like, ah, I'm not 100% on board, but I am going to include it in the book. Yes, but I will base my entire book around it. Oh, I'm not going to leave it out. That'd be irresponsible. And and as I mentioned before, he didn't decide to distance himself until the footage of the deposition where Corey is literally saying it's not real and he made it up uh, until that leaked. So now, now we get to 1955. So in 1955, Eisenhower went to New Mexico to meet with the German Reptilian Alliance. Eisenhower made this journey to New Mexico, uh, an Air Force base, where he boarded a flying saucer and partook in a negotiation in which he surrendered to the Nazi Alliance. Which, bad news, I guess. Uh, this treaty marked what would, what would be considered the official beginning of the Joint Secret Space Program. But according to Corey Good, the Nazi breakaway group was able to infiltrate and take over the United States. So they, Corey said, they soon controlled every aspect of the U.S., from the financial system, the military-industrial complex, and soon after, all three branches of the government itself. Nice. This, uh, this Nazi takeover is what transformed America into a corporate entity. Again, how it did that is not explained, or what that means. Unimportant. Not explained. 
This, this also led to what is known as the Fourth Reich being established, and Sala states that the final result of this system was that fleets of anti-gravity spacecraft were built in Antarctica under full German control, not only for interplanetary colonization, but also interstellar conquest. Alongside their reptilian draconian partners, both Tompkins and Good have also described this dark fleet, uh, the threat posed by dark fleet, for different human-looking extraterrestrial civilizations. As uh, a result of Eisenhower surrendering, the international community was allowed to establish facilities in Antarctica, but they had to do it in a way that wouldn't endanger the Germans that were already there. These facilities were established under the guise of them being used for scientific research, but everyone was actually working on building a space fleet to be used for global dominance and interplanetary conquest. And uh, very importantly, the Germans were using slaves. Nice. It's uh, slave labor factors heavily into this. Hell yeah. Chapter six, slave labor in Antarctica. The, uh, the beginning of this chapter is mostly just about how slave labor really helped the Nazis, which like, yeah, working someone to I death mean, for yeah, free. Dude, <laughs> the economics of slavery are hard to argue. Yeah. When you can, uh, you know, if the guy doesn't keep working, if the consequence of that is literally death, most yeah. people will keep working. The it, problem with slavery wasn't its effectiveness. It works. It works great. Yeah. Some may see it as inhumane, but the yeah. results are, are, you know, not arguable. Uh, where was I? Right. So Sala, he also talked about how Hitler planned to have a peacetime Reich slave labor force. So Hitler wanted to keep men who he didn't consider racial enemies. I, I, I don't quite know what that means. I think it means they weren't pure white, but they were white enough. They're whitish. So he wanted to keep the, uh, the sort of whites in a labor camp and put them in there with a bunch of women in brothels in order to create a constant supply of slave labor. Brilliant. Yes. It, uh, you know, it didn't work the out The man really run. saw some things in people. Every so often when you do a bunch of math... You'll have a good idea. Not yeah. all ideas are bad. Most of them are bad. But every so often, you hit one out of the park. Yeah, what if we gave the <laughs> slaves the prostitutes and they make more slaves? Uh, I was wondering how the fuck the Germans would transport a bunch of slaves to Antarctica without anyone noticing. But world-class dunce William Tompkins provides the following explanation. The Germans were already developing the capability to operate out in space, going to the moon important he did say go into the moon there go to mars and with the plans to go out into the galaxy and so what took place was that everybody that was on the program whether it was maria orsic's side or whether it was the ss the information eventually gets all to the german side not hers and gets into manufacturing so if you can visualize a dozen different classes of naval type spaceships being built in production facilities in ground, not underground, but in ground mountains all over Germany, and then in occupied countries, massive numbers of these different extraterrestrial vehicles re-engineered and modified to our capability or their capabilities to building it, and then learning how to fly to join the reptilian Navy's mission out in the galaxy. So now you've got thousands of machinists and thousands of production people building different parts of these extraterrestrial vehicles. And these are inside of mountains and deep production facilities like aerospace companies. And these people were stopped from working. They were put onto large submarines, all of these workers, which were slaves and taken to Antarctica. And along with them, even drilling machines, every blade, every saw, every kind of manufacturing <laughs> equipment necessary to build these things was picked up in one stop and taken out of Germany or out of the other countries and taken to Antarctica. So 80 to 90% of this was gone a year before the war stopped. I guess 
I guess they saw what was coming and uh, decided to pull everything out. I I suppose so. I I do have a very hard time believing that uh, sometime in the mid 1940s, all of Germany's manufacturing capabilities were removed and no one noticed. You know, but, they just stopped doing anything. Yeah, and all the people disappeared. Yeah. But outside of that, it's all very realistic. Uh, Sala makes the claim here that pretty much all of the UFO sightings post 1947 were actually people witnessing the craft that were being developed in Antarctica. Uh, at this point, we have the Germans using a slave labor force and reptilian intelligence to develop what keeps being referred to as a space navy, which we, yeah, we already went over. I don't know why it's called the space navy. Uh, so the Germans have pushed their space navy fleet into mass production, making full fleets in both Antarctica as well as in facilities that were under German mountains. These fleets were staffed. With who else but all white crews? Hell yeah, whites only. Very important. Uh, no DEI on these planes. No, no, no DEI in Antarctica. Yeah, and that's why they didn't crash. <laughs> German secret space program and the Space Brothers. Uh, the George Adamansky, actually don't think I have a picture of the George Adamansky sighting. Uh, the USO sighting occurs in California. There it is. Um well, the the cleaned up image, where's that? There it is. Okay. So this is the, the cleaned up image. Very excellent wow. look at what's clearly an alien. Uh, what Salah proposes is this is not an alien. This is a fool society craft. And those aliens were actually just Germans. So that guy's, that's just a German. Just a German dude, okay. Yeah, that's just a blurry German guy. Many in the intel community became quite convinced that Maria Orsic was one of the blondes that would land in UFOs and talk to people in German, pretending to be an ET from another star system. I I feel like, you know, I'm not fluent in German, but I feel like if someone popped up and started speaking in German, I'd be able to decipher that it was a generally human language and not aliens. Yeah, I feel like I, if I heard Japanese not knowing what it was, I'd be that that's alien. But German, I'd just be like, why is this idiot talking funny? Yeah, so uh, Corey explains that many in the Intel community became quite convinced that Maria Orsic was one of the blondes that would land these UFOs and talk to people in German. Uh, when some of the witnesses were shown her photo, they identified her as the same person that they had met from the Flying Saucer. She has obviously made it to the Antarctic base's cities where she was taking part in a program using the Nazis' flying disc technologies to spread disinformation through some contactees. This is, uh, this is also the explanation for Swiss dude Billy Meyer, who's the guy who claims he met the Plagiarans. Yeah. Not the Pleiadians, the Plagiarans. The Plagiarans, they plagiarize. I think the Plagiarans are just in a further out galaxy than the Pleiadians. Right. But, well, I guess they actually don't exist. They're just German people. Yeah. Uh, it is important to note that Billy Meyer was convicted of fraud and forgery, and he also went AWOL from the army. Unimportant. Know? And he started a nonprofit or organization based on his alleged contact and... Pretty much all of his prophecy was just him blaming Jews. Nice. And then in 1997, his ex-wife came out and said his pictures were all bullshit, and they were constructed from literally a trash can lid and carpet tacks. Damn, scorned by a woman. But for the purposes of this story, he met with German astronauts that he thought were plagiarians. That's a sick way to become MGTOW. <laughs> my get... bitch ex-wife ruined my whole alien shtick. Didn't that happen with, uh, fuck, what's he, Stan Romanek? You remember him? He had oh, the yeah. super fake looking videos. I think yeah. uh, I think his, his... I think his wife did tattle on him too, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Billy Dumb Meyer, bitch. he dealt with a beautiful young woman he called 
I think Semjay, Semjay, I don't know how to pronounce it. She taught him all about cosmic philosophy. Who was of legal age. <laughs> and when he was showed a picture of Maria Orsic, Billy identified her as Semjay. So I guess Maria, you know, was flying around and, and talking to these people. Chapter 8, Kennedy's confrontation with the Fourth Reich. Uh, so Joseph Kennedy, he didn't just make a deal with the mob to get his son elected. He also made a deal with the Fourth Reich. Oh, no, he made a deal with the Nazis? A deal with the devil. This uh, was an issue because JFK wanted to deal with the threat of the Fourth Reich instead of having them on his side. During his presidency, Kennedy kept asking for information about MJ-12 and alien shit. In fact, just 10 days before he was killed, Kennedy issued a memorandum titled Cooperation with the USSR on Outer Space Matters. He also issued a top-secret memorandum to the director of the CIA telling him to share UFO data with NASA and the USSR. The thought of this was too much of a threat for MJ-12, and they initiated the assassination. Wow. Uh, for, for the curious, Sala said that JFK's assassination was organized by CIA operative E. Howard Hunt. And this was revealed by Linda Moulton Howe uh, in an interview with Watergate legal advisor Douglas Caddy. He said that Kennedy was killed because he was going to reveal our most vital secret, which was the alien presence. Chapter 9. How do you say this fucking company? The electronics company Siemens, right? Sim Siemens, yeah. We'll go with Siemens. Siemens implicated in tracking forced labor and slaves in space. Sala, uh, he, I think part of him does realize how ridiculous this is because he did cram a bunch of sources into the book, but all the sources were about like boring World War II shit. Which, like, uh, I'm not reading this book to learn. I'm reading yeah. to hear about aliens This dude, uh, The dude you're sourcing, you're sighting, doesn't believe in aliens. No. Uh, so the reason Siemens got looped into this is because they had purchased a bunch of RFID chips, and those were apparently needed to track uh, slave laborers in Antarctica. Well, you got to chip all your help. Well, how are you guys? They, they were used in space colonies, too. So that's how yeah. you got to. There's no other way to keep track of your slaves. It's like what they do with the Amazon warehouse workers. Yeah. Yeah. Siemens is responsible for that. The galactic slave trade is a big deal. Uh, notable dullard William Tompkins explained it by saying, but the slave business out there is big business. And this is happening today. It's not something that happened 100 years ago. This has been going on for a long time, and that needs to be fixed. There's many different classes of people that are abducted, that are abducted for slavery, sexual slavery. Wow. I told you, he's a very he's a very horny man. That's so funny to be like, yeah, all the aliens practice slavery, but we got to stop that. Be like, <laughs> I don't know, man. If they're all doing slavery, maybe it's good. Here's the thing. If they're all doing it, We've yeah. been unaware this entire time. So yeah. really, how much damage is it doing? Who are we to tell them they're living inappropriately? Yes, look, all cultures are deserving of respect. Yeah. And in their culture, you sexually enslave yeah. people. We're the weird ones. Uh, oh, you have, you have freedom? Ew. Tompkins says they abduct top medical research people. They abduct the corporate levels and they abduct the most brilliant levels. And then they go down through, uh, through the three levels. And that says where they get sectioned off. Everybody gets to two planets, and then it's decided where they're going to be sent. But it's a massive business. It's been going on for years, and we can't identify where these people have gone. Even though a sentence ago he said they go to two specific planets. So yeah, you just literally said you knew where they went. Not important. It's, uh, it's been going on for years, and we can't identify where these people have gone. Just like normal abductions, we don't know where they went because most of them don't come back. We're only hearing about the few that came back. Wow. I was uh, I was curious as to how aliens could be 
kidnapping and selling humans for slaves without facing consequences, but Corey has an explanation for that. The secret Earth governments and their syndicates discovered that a large amount of humans were being taken off planet by the various ETs anyway, so they decided to find a way to profit from it and have control over which people were being taken. In prior arrangements, they were made promises of receiving technologies and biological specimens for allowing groups to abduct humans, but the ETs rarely delivered on their promises. Once they had developed the advanced infrastructure, the uh, ICC, in our solar system, along with the advanced technologies that some of the thousands of ET groups traveling through our system were now interested in obtaining, and now had the ability to deter most unwelcome guests from entering Earth's airspace, the Cabal slash ICC then decided to use human trafficking as one of their resources for interstellar bartering. So wow. I think it started out as a way to get slave labor, and then we started getting used uh, as like poker chips for buying shit in the galaxy. That's pretty cool. We're currency. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, you know, it's not all bad. We're your your money. You're we're worth gold, something. We're the gold of the universe. Chapter 10, the Antarctic Treaty and keeping the German space program secret. The corporate-run space program in Antarctica is run by the very cleverly titled ICC, which stands for Interplanetary Corporate Conglomerate. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, the ICC is a mix of the German companies that originally ventured to the Arctic uh, during World War II. They managed to keep the program under wraps by keeping the world media and general public out of Antarctica and also intimidating any potential whistleblowers. It's not like people really got to Antarctica that frequently back in the day, though. It's a pretty hard place to get to, notoriously. Especially if you're claiming all these cities are deep underground. I don't think a lot of people are going to show up and then tunnel into the core of the Earth to, to discover these guys. It seems a little guys. unrealistic. I don't know what you're talking about. This is all, <laughs> this is all completely real. What do you mean? Lake Vostok mystery and ancient ruins in Antarctica. So Vostok is a Soviet Union built base in eastern Antarctica. Um, to skip to the fun stuff, because Sala again just talks about like Russian ice core samples for 20 pages, which who gives a fuck? Uh, Russia discovered some sort of magnetic anomaly going on. The working theory is that it's the result of long-term geological processes, but that's not a fun explanation. So let's turn to Richard Hoagland. He says... There is, as always, an equally viable alternative explanation. An anomaly like this could also, could also be caused by an accumulation of metals, the kind you would get if you found the ruins of an ancient buried city. Wow. <laughs> That's kind of a big jump in logic to be like, metal, what's built of metal, buildings, ancient city. <laughs> An ancient city under the ice. Such a discovery would be absolutely dazzling, sending shockwaves through our world, as profound as the discovery of artifacts on Mars or ruins on the moon. And the notion is not as improbable as you may think. Uh, the explanation that he provides is that it's definitely Atlantis. Wow. There's another beautiful picture of Atlantis. <laughs> Yep, doesn't that look like the the city of of fable? It's uh, it's significantly more disappointing than I would have thought. Yeah. I imagine like a city of gold and yeah, you know, high tech. Oh, bummer! I thought this place was gonna be cool. It mostly looks like a sand castle. There, uh, oh, I already read that part. 
the the evidence for the claim that this is Atlantis is that the company JPL, which later merged with you know JPL Rocketdyne, they had to pull out of the area claiming environmental concerns. But in reality, what happened is the NSA took over. Wow. And then during this time, there were also many medical evacuations of Raytheon employees. The most likely explanation for this is that they were exposed to an ancient virus from the lost city of Atlantis. Oh, bummer. They got ancient diarrhea. Yeah, they got, they got ancient COVID. Corey chimes in to add that he was told of an ancient... He, he never likes to be outdone. Anytime someone else said something, he's like, oh, yeah. me too, me too. I saw Oh, it. Corey's always done it one layer better than you have. He's a one-upper. Uh, so he says there was this advanced civilization that was flash frozen in Antarctica, which is Atlantis. Corey verified information that an insider named Sigmund had told him by saying that the locations described by Sigmund had also been shown to him by, unfortunately, the Anshar. Oh, no. <laughs> that pesky Anshar. Bummer. And it's it's even worse because, you know, the, the way he's trying to spin the Anshar now is just like, no, it was always, you know, I... I astral project and work with them yeah but then in this book he says the anshar took him on reconnaissance flights oops which why would you go on a reconnaissance flight if you don't exist well That's, you know it was a, a metaphorical yes uh cory also added that uh they do tours like cabal disneyland they have in the stasis chamber in ohio i don't know why there's a stasis chamber in ohio maybe because no one would expect no one Hot. thinks anything cool happens in Ohio. Yeah, they've got LeBron James, and that's about it. Yeah, they Which, just have fentanyl. If you want to make the connection between, if anyone was an alien, fucking that's true. LeBron, uh, they are continuing to excavate, but know what is around in the areas where they have cleared away the ice. There are They are worried that all of the steam excavation could cause the surface of the ice shelf to collapse down on the sites they have uncovered. I think they would have to go public in some sort of way to go bigger on this excavation and widen it. This frozen civilization is, uh, it holds this importance for one primary reason, which is the global elites, they believe they're, they're descendants of the highly advanced pre-Adamite society trapped beneath this ice. So in their minds, it is this lineage that establishes them as the ones truly fit to rule the earth. And the reason why this picture is on screen is the way they hide the fact that they're aliens is with big hats. Ah, but, it's right in front of us. But yeah, their their head actually fills up the entire hat. Wow. Because no one's ever seen the Pope without a hat. What an amazing strategy. <laughs> it's, what so, do we wear the bigger hats to cover our head? Well, for such a high-tech civilization, it is a very low-tech solution to the issue of having a crazy-shaped head. Look, there, it's a practical solution. Chapter 12, Corey Good's Covert Reconnaissance Missions to Antarctica. This is uh, another amazing drawing of the Antarctic tunnels he travels through. But it's not just enough for him to have gone there twice. He, he had to perform a covert reconnaissance mission there. Now, Sala, he actually reached out to a few congressmen who visited Antarctica during the 1992 congressional visit. But the people he talked to said... They didn't know what the fuck he was talking about, and they didn't see any of the shit he was saying. Oops. But that just means it's super yeah. highly classified. No, they have to say that. Yeah, well, it's no, it's it's better than that. It's so classified, even congressmen don't get to see it. Wow. It's top secret. Corey Good gets to see it, but of not course. congressmen. Well, he's no plebe. And then, yeah, it's this chapter, so near the end of the book, when Sal finally admits that, uh, you know, Corey Good is kind of his primary source for a lot of this information, which... Not not the best decision. But anyways, 
2016, Corey Good goes to Antarctica. Uh, the the information again starts out very unfortunately for Sala because the main underground city Corey is brought to is the city of Deanne Shore. Oh no! <laughs> oh, buddy. You know, for not existing, they did. They seem to be pretty busy. They built ships, and then they have space fleets, and they've got an underground city. Yeah, where they, they oh, they were doing a lot. It's just a shame they weren't real. Yeah, it's really easy to build things when you don't exist. Yeah. I guess. Now, aside from the fact where Corey admitted to fabricating all this, let's. It's totally real. Corey met with Anshar High Priestess Ka Ari, which is a name I haven't thought about in a long time. Now, Ka, I believe, in Corey's story, was a woman he kind of had a space relationship with. Yes, right. He cheated on his wife with. Well, it's funny you say that because what happened in real life is Corey just cheated on his wife yeah. with someone. Now, I don't think it was quite, uh, I doubt it was a cosmic priestess. No, no, baby. It was interstellar. It doesn't count. That This may be the craziest lie a guy has ever tried to use to get out of cheating on his yeah. wife. To like, No, it was, she's an alien. Yeah, no, <laughs> she's not human. She's a high priestess. I had to to save yeah. the world. Did you want me to disrespect a high priestess like that? Okay, when the high priestess calls <laughs> you and says, you need to dick her down, um, you have to dig her down. It's a great honor yeah, in their okay. culture. Did you want me to what? Shame my elders? I, I don't remember who uh, Corey actually cheated on his wife with. I think it might have been an assistant or something. That's but, pretty uh, cool. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, what do you expect when Corey Good's like, no, honey, I need an assistant for work. This is why you got to be afraid of uh, weird dudes getting fame. Is because they don't know they don't know how to handle themselves. No, they always do something weird and fucked up. Yeah, so weird, crazy guys who don't fuck end up getting famous, and then they just go yeah crazy, and then they get then they become sex pests. So between, uh, I w- I don't want to talk about it now, but I'm gonna say it so you remind me later. We got to talk about Vince McMahon and the text that came out. Right, some excellent shit has occurred. No pun intended. Right. Between April 27th uh, to the 30th of 2016, Corey makes this trip. And then on July 12th of 2016, he shares the details on cosmic disclosure. Uh, I had forgotten he was claiming to, like, still be doing this shit when he was on cosmic disclosure initially. Like, he was basically relaying this information in real time back then. Yeah, he was. So this is, uh, I pulled all the quotes where Corey describes his experience as, as he is the best person to learn about Antarctic bases from. So Ka Ari, she starts telling me, she said, the technology of this craft is incredibly intuitive. She said, do not get lost in the data. But she said this just before we started heading right towards a giant wall of ice, like an ice shelf. And we were heading directly towards it at speed. And we passed right through what had to be some sort of hologram. And as soon as we punched through, we saw an area carved out to where the largest ship that we have, an aircraft carrier, could go through and still have two or three times the height of the ship to the ceiling of this archway. But there was all of this, I guess, steam. It was real foggy at the entrance. This, like, fog was coming out. Well put, Corey. This, like, fog was coming out. This, like, fog, man. (laughs) And we headed directly into this basically ice tube. I think that's what that picture is supposed to be. I think that's the super high-tech ice tube. All you'd see was ice. Well, yeah, it's a tube made of ice. What else are you supposed to see? But then you would see, like, some little bit of rock. And this was several miles that went that way until everything started to spread out and open up. When we, uh, we then came upon the first really big industrial city that I saw under there. And you could, it looked like it was at one time, it was about this size. And then Corey 
shows a distance of about 10 inches between his hands. And then they built it, and now, of course, spreads his hands really far apart. <laughs> nice. Another thing we saw, all of these large triangle craft just... I couldn't tell if they were hovering above the ground or parked on the ground because of the lighting conditions. And it was pretty well lit from all the industrial lights reflecting off the ice in general. That sentence doesn't make a ton of sense. It was so well lit he couldn't tell. Right. Corey uh, finds out in his briefing from a character we haven't talked about in a long time, Gonzalez. Hell <laughs> he yeah, was dude. still alive. He, I don't think he had been... Uh, Gonzalez. I don't think he had been Space Judas at this point yet. So he finds out, Corey, that is, finds out from G- Gonzalez that there had been a battle over in a- Antarctica. There's a, another... Look uh, at it. Look at the battle. Wow. Isn't it incredible? Yeah. <laughs> uh, this... Six large cruisers had breached the surface of the ocean, and they were on their way to space before they were intercepted by unknown craft. And then the damage inflicted by these unknown craft caused them to return to base instead of uh, proceeding to outer space. So we tried to become like a multi-galactic species at this time, but some unknown force did that. I see. Which caused us to be trapped on this shithole planet. Corey's second Antarctic trip. Uh, He went back in January of uh, 2017... Once again, taken by the Anshar. This time, they showed him the archaeological dig site. At this site, they found three buried spacecraft indicating that pre-Adamites were, in fact, extraterrestrials. Look at them. Look at them. Hideous. I thought they kind of look like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. In my it's mind. like, Scoob, we're going to kill all the Jews. <laughs> Corey, well, wouldn't that kind of make sense? Shouldn't Scooby-Doo be a fucking alien? He's a talking dog. Uh, He's got to have special powers of some kind. You know, they never particularly identified whether or not Scooby could talk or Shaggy was hallucinating. Or if he was so high he talked to the dog anyway. Yeah, like they they never actually clear that up, which I kind of like the ambiguity. But yes, either he's a freak of nature or Shaggy's (laughs) just tripping. Well, maybe he really was a pre-Adamite man. Then he could communicate with him telepathically. That's true. It's all making sense. So the, uh, the scientists down there, according to Corey, uh, they're getting ready to reveal all of this astonishing information to the people of Earth soon. It will first be rolled out without the ET element, though, uh, you know, any day now, I'm sure. Um, we, we also get a surprise guest appearance in this chapter. You know, it was nice reading this book because this is before everything went to shit. So yeah. all the people we used to talk about, they're back together in one happy family. Before the band fell apart. Yeah. Emery Smith pops in to talk about how Antarctica's uh, volcano activity is causing the civilizations to be exposed due to melting ice. You know, it won't be the people. It won't be us exposing this. It's going, well, I guess it's Emery Smith. So be like, it's going to be yeah. <laughs> This is him when he was still fucking in his prime. It's a lot easier to believe this shit when you're drunk out of your mind and high on Percocet. Yeah, eating Perks and drinking vodka. Yes, those are pre-Adamite knowledge pills. (laughs) Uh, They can't fight the heat right now, and since they can't fight the heat, it's going to be really hard to explain when some of the snow melts in the next year and this giant thing starts being exposed and different metals and it just kind of trails off. So Gaia will be disclosure. Maybe he was nodding off. (laughs) So Gaia will be disclosure. Earth will be the one who discloses it, which is beautiful. That's how he was able to fuck that hippie chick. Hell yeah. With, with deep sentences like, Earth's going to expose the aliens, Well, this man. is why I don't blame him. It's her fault. Also, the aliens say, you got to suck my dick. Yeah, actually, if I don't bust, the aliens aren't coming. It's a very, it's a very uh, funny coincidence that every guy who's involved in the secret space program 
has to fuck a lot, according to the aliens. Yeah. It's to save the world. It's always <laughs> the aliens. No, they... I Look, I don't want to do this, but I need to smash. Pre-Adamite tells me I have yeah. to. You don't understand. This is the mission they gave me, okay? Usually I'm not, you know, so slutty. You know, Corey... Uh, I'm sorry, not Corey. Emery, he was killing it back then, though, because he his move was he would tell him, like, we're not going to go on a date, but when you go to sleep and you have a dream... That's our date. That's I'm going to show up in your dreams, yeah. and we're going to go out that way. That's a sick move. Oh, I'm yeah. going to buy you a date you could never afford. He he also said she couldn't come to his house because aliens live there. <laughs> nice. Oh, no, no, no. We got to do this at a hotel. God, what, uh, Corey and Emery both pulled that card. They're like, uh, the aliens yeah. made me cheat. <laughs> I had to. Well, look, you know, you got to surround yourself with idiots. So not only is there this uh, Arctic Tunnel Network, it also connects to tunnel networks under Africa, South America, and Europe, which I mean, isn't that kind of, that's just like a global tunnel network. That's a lot of fucking tunnel. Yeah. Chapter 13, Antarctica's secret history as an extraterrestrial refugee colony. So Corey detailed that the pre-Adamites were originally from Mars and Super Earth. Hell yeah. It's not very creative. Uh, Super Earth. Well, Super Earth is pretty much what it sounds like. It's just Earth, but bigger. It's supersized Earth. Now, unfortunately, 500,000 years ago, there was a high-tech war between Mars and Super-Earth, and that war ended with Super-Earth being destroyed, so its remnants now compose uh, an asteroid belt. Wow. It was this war that also destroyed much of Mars' surface population, which is why we can't see any inhabitants with a telescope. It's very convenient. (laughs) You notice how uh, their explanations always involve why we can't get proof? Well, you know, there's always a reason. Yeah, it's never it's never that this isn't true. It's yeah, just no. some grand galactic scheme prevents us from collecting evidence. Yeah, there's extenuating circumstances. Now, what would a tale full of lies be if we didn't hear from Pete Peterson? Hell yeah, dude. Pete said he... <laughs> my favorite part about Pete is he's another one-upper, so he's not saying he got these briefings. Pete said he fucking went to Antarctica and explored the crash spaceships. Yeah, he saw it himself. Yeah, he, he was down there in person. This is uh, what he had to say about it. Well, there was a crash there about 200,000 years ago, and at that time it was tropical. There were palm trees there where the crash was. There were palm trees. That's about three miles under the ice now. That's being excavated. They're putting a huge tunnel into that, down into that one. So the early stuff, the low stuff, that's down underneath two to three other layers of civilization. It's very ancient, seemingly very ancient civilization, probably where they would have used these gear-driven na- navigation instruments. But the navigation instruments, the gears, the gear ratios were all set up for this galaxy. You're going to find several layers, separate layers of occupation. You're going to find several separate layers. God, he's really fucking redundant, isn't he? He really is. Uh, None of these guys can speak well. You're going to find several layers, several layers of redundant earth. Yes, and those several layers are broken into layers. Uh, Yes, you're going to find several separate layers of what the exterior was like at the time civilization was there. Only the last layer was it really Antarctica. Prior to that, it was a tropical island, and part of that, it was a part... Jesus, part of that, it was a part of a very much larger island. Probably good pieces of it were pieces of Atlantis that actually picked up and moved down there. So I think to decipher that, what he's saying is Atlantis was a tropical island that existed elsewhere and then got destroyed and like floated to Antarctica. Floated over. Where it got covered by ice. Uh, We also got to talk about how the moon is a giant lie. Whereas, oh, right, that's Nefertiti. She's also an alien, hence the hat. Uh, The big heads. Yes, the the hat is crucial to being an alien. 
Whereas, uh, oh, right, the moon. Right, so the moon is a lie. The moon wow. isn't just a chunk of rock that orbits our planet. After the Mars and super-Earth battle, um, it became a place of refuge for the displaced. The moon has a vast livable cavern system within it. According to Corey, the pre-Adamites lived in the moon for about 440,000 years. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a long time. Eventually, there was another conflict, and the moon people had to flee. Unfortunately, their ships were damaged in the, during the, the fleeing process, and thus they could not escape our galaxy and could only make it to Earth. And once here, that's when they settled on Antarctica. They uh, chose that spot because there were still ancient builder race technologies available for them to use. Nice. The ancient builder race rules. Uh, yeah, that's another group they haven't mentioned in a long time. Yeah, they went out of vogue. I liked them. Yeah, well, the problem is once you get found out on one aspect of the story, you kind of got to scrap everything and start new. Yeah, who else? He, he probably didn't even remember what else he said. It, it was getting... This was the peak. This was when they were on their oh their yeah, this when they were bowl. they were untouchable. Yeah, so every you know everything was spun gold. Only later, once everyone tried to fraction off and uh, perform their own plot, did everything kind of collapse. Antarctica, demigods, and the Book of Enoch. The uh, the pre Adamites they show up on Earth, but they soon realize their bodies weren't cut out for Earth's gravity. You know, as we saw earlier, they're kind of flabby and shitty looking. To fix this, they decided to create human hybrids who could act as intermediaries for them with the Earth's population. These hybrid descendants compose the elite bloodlines that rule humanity. As I was showing, Nefertiti, that's the evidence. She's got a big fucking head, which means yeah. she's an alien. Look at that head. Created by, by uh, the pre-Adamites. Originally, these gods and demigods ruled over us, but after the Great Flood wiped some out, we transitioned to having human rulers. It was during the Great Catastrophe 12,000 years ago that their advanced Arctic civilization was flash-frozen. This calamity provided an opportunity for the reptilians to sneak in and become the dominant player in the galaxy. And uh, that's why the Old Testament story of Adam and Eve is actually a metaphor for man rebelling against our reptilian overlords. Hell yeah. Uh, the parallel between Enoch and Corey, which again, in his deposition, he said there was no parallel, but then in this book, there's a whole section about the parallel. This boils down to them both bearing witness to extraterrestrial events and also serving as intermediaries between humans and the ETs. Corey, Antarctica is not enough. He also attended an alien conference. Uh, this is his description of it. In the last human-like federation conference, after a short presentation, I was asked to deliver that uh, there was then a follow-up on each of the over 60 beings present. Usually never more than 40 beings were present. Among the, these were those involved in the 22 scientifically documented presentations delivered decades prior to have craft, uh, created engineered Earth humans genetically. Each of these beings pre uh, presented gave a short presentation. God, it's impossible to read them. <laughs> How are they so stupid? These people gave a presentation of what they considered their contributions to humanity over the thousands of years they had been managing human affairs. This was the exact same setting that I attended in an intuitive empath support role when I was younger. We went over that when we talked about his uh, comic book. Right. I think that was that final showdown in the, in the comic book was uh, him at the, the delegation. Being an actual delegate this time, I understood everything going on and said. It was interesting that each group seemed to make a case that they had been a positive influence on the creation and management of humanity. Of course, this was their point of view, and the IEs, that's intuitive empath, present in support of us detected no danger of deception. The illegal research being conducted in Antarctica. 
uh, you know, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Right, like, right. The underbelly. Yes, that underbelly of the Nazis doing bad things <laughs> is fucking dumb as shit. This is, uh, it's, this is what Sala has to say about it. Quote, a strictly oral briefing is given for this type of program that is so classified that U.S. congressional members and others learning about it cannot admit to its existence or consult others for expert advice, which means that Congress has to accept the word of the sponsoring military service or intelligence agency that the program is being run responsibly in accord with U.S. laws and the Antarctic Treaty. Now, uh, also, for some reason, the Germans handed over the responsibility of researching ancient artifacts to the United States. I don't know why they did that, but that's what he said they did. All right. Also, uh, Corey mentions those top secret briefings he was getting from Gonzalez. I think he was getting them via Skype. Nice. Which I don't know how you can go from saying these things are to- so top secret, you can only communicate in person. And then like a paragraph later, it's like, yeah, Gonzalez, we we're on Skype and he's telling me about all this shit. I'm sure it was a secure line. Yes, yes. the uh, It's the secret space program version of Skype. Now, I guess Corey pissed off the powers that be uh, by disclosing what he knew about the research facilities under the ice. And Gonzalez told him it was much worse and that there were literally thousands of abducted humans down there that are being used in experiments. This is what Corey says. Gonzalez says this was one of the parts. It even feels good just saying Gonzalez says. It's, it's nice to have him back. It's a great fake name for a guy. Gonzalez said this was one of the parts of his service that was the hardest to come to terms with. He said that the people working there would dehumanize the subjects to be able to do the work. People that were not psychopaths would behave like one to be able to make it through doing the work. Lots of medical and genetic research. They test these people to death in many horrible ways. I was told that the number went from as low as 10,000 to as many as 40,000 people being used until they are dead in these facilities that honeycomb one large area alone. Wow. Mostly from the human slave trade. So I guess uh, they're kind of carrying on the tradition of the Japanese and the Germans in World War II and just doing crazy human experimentation. I mean, that is kind of cool. It is. I, I mean, the purpose of human experimentation is typically to be able to do things involving humans, which I don't know why that'd be necessary when you're not human, but unimportant as with most things. Yes. It's best if you just, if you kind of don't think about it, it makes sense. No follow-up questions allowed. Uh, Antarctica suppressed history and full disclosure. Now Sala starts this chapter by recapping the evolution of the secret space program with a good, a good crazy guy diagram. <laughs> Always the sign of fitness and mental health. <laughs> yes, it's. Uh, I I didn't even bother attempting to interpret this. Nothing it's, says I'm not crazy like a twisted and hard to read graph. Yep, that's the that's the the trademark of the crazy man. And we can conclude today's presentation with Corey Good describing the eventual disclosure plan. Now. Another interesting note, we do have these archaeologist employees of various universities that are down there excavating and documenting all this. But what have they done? They being the cabal, I guess you'll say they have used these large electromagnetic submarines that I discussed earlier to take a lot of archaeological items that they had found in other digs that they were keeping suppressed from humanity. They had them in huge warehouses. They were taking some of these artifacts down to Antarctica and seeding them. As this, so I guess they were planting things for us to find. Okay. And which, again, we already found them, so why would you plant them? Mm-hmm. Unimportant. And this one large dig that these archaeologists are going to make public, they are also removing anybody that does not look human. I'm not sure what that means. So they're planning on giving us a sanitized disclosure. And then over time, they will disclose the military industrial complex secret space program. 
And after they do that, they'll say, oh, by the way, yeah, we've got this fairly advanced secret space program. And while we've been out to other planets, we found very similar ruins as we found in Antarctica. So they're going to try to trickle the information down over the decades and not immediately tell us about the ships they found and the tide technology and non-humans. Wow. Nice. This, uh, there's a friend, Arpa Dwyer, which I wanted to do after reading this fucking book. So there you have it, everyone. I'm sure that cleared everything up. I'm sure it's all squared (laughs) away now. (laughs) Someone, someone really needs to go through these books and just make like a a one page briefing. Someone's got to do better. If only you could. Maybe, maybe I will be that man. I no, I won't. I'm no. not going to subject myself. That was a short-lived... Uh, <laughs> yeah, you got to move on. Yeah, no. It. Uh, Michael Sala, he has many more books, and maybe we'll get around to some of those over time. And none of them better. Thankfully, I think David is supposed to go live this weekend. Nice. Of course, he's been saying that since, like, December 12th. Assuming so we'll, he's not snowed in. Yes, or if, uh, if the wind gets too loud and scary. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get David next week, and if not... You'll hear the very horny tale of William Tompkins. Hell yeah, bro. All right, patreon.com slash in plain sight pod. We're going to watch Super Fat Fuck. Nice. I think that's what we're going to watch this week. Hell yeah. We are at Hidden Plain Sight Radio on Instagram. You are at Brand Steel Hidden on Instagram. We are at The Hidden Pod on Twitter. Who do you? Mamba out. Yeah.